Welcome to Three Questions With, a podcast by the Latino News Network. LNN is dedicated to best serving Hispanic Latinos with local multimedia news and information websites in New England and the Midwest, a statewide community-focused initiative. Three Questions With is a public affairs program elevating the voices and visibility of matters most important to the Hispanic Latino community by speaking with community and industry thought leaders on topics like civic engagement, education, employment, healthcare, communication, and social responsibility, among others. I'm Annabelle Rocha, writer and editor of Illinois Latino News and your host. It's no secret that Illinois has a robust Hispanic Latino population, many of whom are monolingual Spanish speakers. For students, starting school or being integrated into the school system can be challenging with limited or no English speaking skills. And with Illinois having the fourth largest concentration of English learners of any state in the nation, it begs the question, how do we best serve this population? Our guests today are Rebecca Wanderlach-Navarro, Director of Education Policy and Research, and Erica Mendez, the Associate Director of Education at the Latino Policy Forum. Rebecca leads a team that focuses on promoting quality bilingual education programming and equitable access to early childhood programming. Her advocacy work concentrates on the shortage of qualified bilingual and bicultural educators in the state. And she is also a state appointed member of the Illinois Advisory Council on Bilingual Education. Erica promotes the forum's advocacy work and policy work in education, including family well-being in the current socio-political immigration climate, Latino access to early childhood opportunities, and the bilingual workforce shortage. Through her work, she brings awareness to the issues that Latino and English learner children in Illinois face and works towards policy solutions that promote equity. Erica and Rebecca, welcome to the program. It's obvious that you're both so passionate about bilingual education. Where does your passion come from? Is there a personal connection there? I am married to an immigrant and um, uh, lived for a number of years in Latin America and felt really tied to the culture and the language and was just excited about it, always loved it. And when I first started working in education, I actually started with parents. Um, and when I was talking with immigrant parents, uh, they talked about some of the main issues that they worried about in life were the education of their children. And um, they worried about access to early childhood. That's why the forum actually revamped its agenda more than a decade ago to ensure that Latino kids were having equitable access to preschool. And we're starting to make those gains, but if we want it to be high quality uh, education, we need to make sure that um, language is treated carefully and research is showing more and more that when we support the home language, we honor it along with building English, this leads to better outcomes for kids. Um, and this, as I mentioned before, was really complemented by a wonderful study that came out of the University of Chicago Consortium on School Research. And they looked at more than 14,000 English learners in Chicago public schools, and they were able to follow them over the long term. And they found that when English learners have access to a bilingual preschool program, and that means that they're appropriately screened for services, and, and most importantly, they have a teacher that is trained in how to build the home language and build English, that the benefits to that programming shows up over time, even as long as third grade, with higher test scores in math and English, better grades and better attendance. 
And so I feel like um, as someone that's working in education, if I want long-term outcomes for kids, I have to think about bilingual education and I have to think about ways to support that programming. I'll say, I think my personal relationship to a lot of our work just strives from personal experiences as a former English learner. I grew up primarily in a Spanish-speaking household um, while getting some access to English. And eventually some of that early exposure was interrupted because I lived in Colombia for a short period of time, about a year. And upon returning, started kindergarten and first grade where I was designated an English learner. But years ago when bilingual programming existed, it wasn't as robust as the bilingual programming that we might see today in schools. A lot of what I was able to receive was a lot of ESL support, which is kind of pull-out, pull-in services where students are taken out of the classroom, provided some support by a teacher, and then brought back into the classroom. However, what that did for me was more disruptive, I think, than good because often when I would be brought back to a classroom, it was in the middle of a lesson. And without the language, I wasn't really able to access a lot of the things that my peers in class were learning and was, was often coming in in the middle of a lesson where I, I wasn't really able to catch up. So my schooling experience, I think up until the fourth grade was, was pretty disruptive in some ways and I struggled a lot with school and learning and I think it was through really great teachers and after school programming that I was able to get back on track and excel in, in a lot of ways throughout my academic career after the fourth grade but really it was some of those early experiences that drive me to some of that work and growing up with my mom and my grandmother, a grandmother who works as a daycare provider and my mother who works as an early educator in schools, I was able to see some of the differences that they were able to make in the lives of the children that they touched and that education was definitely a place where I wanted to work. And early childhood was definitely the focus area of some of my evolving work. So the research really touched on not just a lot of my lived experiences, but a lot of what I saw growing up as the most critical points of intervention and of attention are in those five first years of life. And so when you are intentional about programming and about the teachers that are in front of the students who are learning some of this um, life that's happening in language and exposure to the world, then you really are able to support a student when they really need it the most. So touching on bilingual education, I do want to continue to talk about the English Learners in Chicago Public Schools report by the University of Chicago. Um, just to reiterate, this study explored the influence that pre-K and early grade school education had on students whose first language was not English. Can you kind of talk about what are some of the key findings of this study? Sure. Um, and I, I also think we want to highlight just the diversity we're seeing in our English learner experiences. I think um, Erica highlighted 
you know, a, a type of student that's growing up primarily in Spanish, right? Um, there's also a lot of kids coming in that have a little bit of both, a little bit of English and Spanish, right? They're second generation, maybe have siblings that have been in school, but parents primarily speak Spanish. So it really is um, kind of a robust array of language capacities and, and assets in both languages. The study, um, as I mentioned, looked at more than 14,000 ELs. And the three main findings that I think are really important for the field of early childhood and bilingual education is that starting as early as possible with preschool is beneficial. So starting at age three versus age four is beneficial. And also full day programs are better than half day programs. Um, and so we're really pushing, and Erica can talk more about it in our advocacy, to uh, push the entire field of early childhood in this direction. And there's other advocacy groups that uh, know this research and think that's important. And I think what's really unique here is um, the role of bilingual education services in preschool and the importance that that played. And in fact, by kindergarten, if parents refused bilingual services, this did not bode well for kids. And this is really an important finding. I think a lot of folks would say, don't we know this already? We've heard a lot about bilingual ed. but in Illinois, we're one of the few states that um, has a really strong, robust approach to bilingual education that extends to the early years. We're one of the few states that as early as the age of three uh, will give a direct assessment to kids to see how well they're doing in their English language proficiency development. We require that a teacher uh, not just speak the home language, but actually has training in building the home language and building English. And then we put that student in specific language programming. Um, and and that is overseen by the State Board of Education. So while there's a lot of different places where a child can um, attend a preschool and receive preschool education, in our state-funded preschool for all programs, we really have a rigorous approach to bilingual education. And this study shows that it works and that the outcomes will show off by third grade. Things that you all are saying really resonate with me. Um, because I grew up going to CPS schools and most, even though I wasn't an English learner, my friends were. And so noticing how like, why isn't my friend, you know, sitting through reading with us because they're out learning Spanish and then seeing how they fall behind in that subject later, it's like really unfortunate. But from what you're saying, Rebecca, it sounds like Illinois has a lot of things set up a little bit differently now. So I wanted to ask, what do the findings of a study like this mean for the way our bilingual education system is set up now? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I want to give a little background, too. Um, there was actually a, a first study that was done. It looked at K through eighth graders um, in Chicago public schools, and they followed more than 18,000 students. And what was unique is they looked at kids that started their schooling as English learners and followed them up until eighth grade. Uh, a lot of studies just look at kids who are actively receiving English learner services. And then once they reach English proficiency, they kind of forget about them. This was different. It looked at kids over the long term. And if you look at Latinos in CPS, two out of every three Latinos start their education as an English learner. What they found when they followed those kids is most of those English learners, about 80% of, of them, went on to actually outperform all kids in CPS. So when those kids were supported early on in um, building their home language and English, they went out to outperform all kids. So when that study came out, 
um, uh, we actually were approached by a funder who said, wait a second, this is amazing. What's happening earlier on? Let's fund a study that looks at the preschool uh, uh, time period. And that's where the second study came about. So Annabelle, I think it's really a testament that bilingual education programs work. Um, I think, um, you know, uh, there's been strong assimilationist philosophies that have always existed. More English, the better. The quicker you forget that home language and culture, the better you're going to succeed in school. And there's been a, a counter narrative that's been saying, no, 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 no. Actually, that home language is an asset to learning. Being bilingual isn't bad. It's actually better. Um, and so this counter narrative was really um proven to be true with these two studies. And so I think this gives us fuel as an organization to say, how do we make sure we strengthen bilingual education throughout the state? And um, we can get into details about this, but I think it's access to early childhood that honors language and culture to bilingual preschool. It's making sure we have strong bilingual educators and we need more educators that reflect the kids they're serving. Um, it's making sure we have sufficient funding for these programs. And another thing too that's huge is we need to ensure families understand this, um, that they know their rights to bilingual education and that families know that the language and culture that they bring to their kids are assets to learning, not deficits, not holding them back. Erica, how do you feel about the results of this study, given that you were an English learner? Illinois, as one of the states in the nation, has been the first in the country to, I think, prioritize bilingual education services as early as the age of three. In our preschool through K-12, public education schooling, whereas other states have taken different approaches to language and the language of the students that they have. But even when we look at early childhood, Illinois has been one of the first states in the country to make robust investments in childcare and preschool starting in the 80s and 90s. We were one of the earliest states to establish a state-funded preschool program with infant toddler embedded into that and we're seen as a national leader in providing home visiting services. So where we are now is we have a governor currently who's supportive of early childhood and has some really big ideas for how he wants to make Illinois the best state in the nation for raising families. But we have to I can like a lot and has some really big ideas for how he wants to make Illinois the best state in the nation for raising families. But we have to acknowledge that our current system has some real limitations to how we're able to do some of this work. And I think this new research out of the University of Chicago presents the state with an opportunity to say, we have real tangible research on how we can improve the outcomes and the supports that students receive early on that affects them in the third grade. And a lot of that is within these early childhood settings, how are we identifying who needs these additional services and then supporting the different settings where children can receive preschool so that they are able to have some level of bilingual support and programming embedded. So a lot of our work now is how are we reimagining programming delivery 
for the different settings that exist, knowing what we know in the research and knowing that the research took place in schools and that not all children attend school-based preschool. So it has been a real learning opportunity just to reflect on the history of where we've been, where we've made investments, but really with this new momentum in our administration in a state and what we know from the research has really lit a path forward for where we can be over the next few years. Not only have students been faced with language barriers, but there's also a shortage of teachers qualified to teach EL students. Can you all talk about these struggles to recruit and retain bilingual and Latino educators in Illinois? I think it's such an important question, Annabel. It's actually, I think, um, one of, it's probably the most important and most challenging issue that we're facing in our work. Um, Illinois actually really struggles when it comes to teacher diversity in general. Um, and I think uh, we're seeing that play out at, particularly in specialty areas like special education, like bilingual education, STEM, um, it's really hard to get teachers. And so we have uh, been on a path of trying to think of varied ways we can support candidates to get interested in the profession. And we find that they come from different pathways. Um, I think there's the traditional pathway that folks might think of, of going through a bachelor's degree and teaching but I think it's also important to remember that a lot of our, our teachers with bilingual capacities, um, they uh, could be immigrants here in this country whose teacher licensure didn't transfer into Illinois um, and who maybe could benefit from a transition to teaching path. Um, and we're also thinking a lot about early childhood where um, it's, it's much different and much diverse, much more diverse where you can have folks from the community that work in centers and who have varied levels of education, um, who it's, it's a longer path to be supported in getting a bachelor's degree and getting a license in teaching um, and uh, would need a lot of supports that higher ed doesn't really offer right now. Uh, flexibility and coursework, uh, support for daycare. Usually we find cohorts work the best, especially if learning can take place at the site of work where people are at. And so um, in order to get diverse candidates through, we're, we're finding there needs to be much more flexibility in the type of offerings that are available. And um, we are advocating a lot that these types of programs get scholarship support, um, support in terms of uh, counseling and liaisons to support in the process. My next question was going to be, do you think, what do you think is the bigger issue? Is it recruiting or is it retention? But it kind of sounds like you can't really retain what's not there. I think it's, I think the research would, would say it's both. Um, I, I mean, I think recruitment is an issue, uh, but we also find that teachers aren't staying that long in the field anyways. Um, so I think we actually want to think of both. We want to think about both recruitment and retention. And one way we've been thinking a lot about retention is um, through uh, educating and supporting leaders um, so that they can understand how to support bilingual programs in their buildings. Um, we were the first organization to create the Illinois English Learner Handbook, and it really is a resource manual for school board members and for school officials in Illinois so that they could begin to understand this population. Um, in Illinois, you do not have to take coursework 
on English learners. And so we have a lot of teachers and administrators without any background in how to teach these students. And often um, those that lead bilingual programs feel isolated and misunderstood in what they're trying to do. And so um, one way we feel is important for supporting retention is providing training to administrators so that they can understand what bilingual programs are trying to do and how they can support them. So we're in the midst of taking that handbook and creating administrator academies, uh, which is specific training administrators have to do in order to maintain their administrator licensure. Um, and we're getting approval from the State Board of Education to create those trainings. And we're actually going to start disseminating information about those trainings this fall. A huge part of retention is also how bilingual and Latino teachers see themselves in being able to have some level of mobility in education. So they aren't staying stagnant in the field. And we see that a lot of efforts right now to currently cultivate leadership in a lot of these teachers hasn't necessarily been targeted for bilingual or for Latino teachers. And so we've been thinking creatively on how we're able to talk about uh, teacher diversity in a more public and transparent um, format in the state and in the city of Chicago, just to put a spotlight on how critical this issue is and how we need to do a lot of public work and have public investments to grow this area, but also how we're supporting some of these teachers to gain greater access to different levels of leadership within their school roles, whether it's in a district or an administrative office, to become assistant principals, to go from assistant principals to principals, and to go even beyond a principalship. So we're really thinking creatively on how those retention efforts have to also go and think creatively on how we create stepping stones for teachers to go beyond just the classroom. You've been listening to Three Questions with Rebecca Vonderleck Navarro, the Education Policy and Research Director, and Erica Mendez, the Associate Director of Education at Latino Policy Forum. Three Questions with is produced by the Latino News Network. LNN oversees five independent local news and information websites with a statewide coverage, Hispanic Latino, editorial focus in New England and the Midwest. I'm Annabelle Rocha, writer and editor of Illinois Latino News. Thank you for listening.